Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Today, our guest is Morgan Rayner. She's one of our coaches based out of LA. Uh, Morgan, I'll turn it over to you. Give a little intro on yourself. Thanks, guys, so much. I'm so happy to be here. So I'm a stick coach, stick mobility coach. Um, I've been training for, it'll be five years next month. Got into personal training five years ago. I started out as a dancer. I was classically trained in ballet and then switched to modern dance and turned it into a professional career. And use training on the side to pay the bills and it was you know it's always been a great passion of mine just fitness in general and yeah so i i moved out here to la last year with my husband and we used to live in new york so i went to suny purchase which is where i you know trained in dance and then moved directly to the city afterwards let's see that's about it started my started my own business in 2019 i want to say so i got into training when i w- became injured so i was in a rehearsal in 2015 and it was a late night rehearsal a long rehearsal we were rehearsing for like an evening length work and i i had uh, i fell on my foot so i was doing this like big jump turn thing fell on my foot and had a jones fracture which i'm i don't know if you guys are uh, familiar it's it's common in dancers it's common in basketball players the fifth metatarsal breaks and there's like a Mm. certain area in the fifth metatarsal where there's not a lot of blood flow so Mm. it's not going to heal unless you have surgery so i had uh, some hardware put in and kind of realized that i wanted to have a long, healthy career, I probably needed to start some strength training and cross training. So um, I was already coaching swimming at the time. And I was working at some boutique fitness studios. And one of them was the cycling studio. So I was cycling and I was swimming. And so coming back from the injury, I decided to add running into the mix and then started training for triathlons. And then from there, got really into strength training. And then yeah, and then one of my friends actually approached me and asked she was she was a trainer and she was about to start a new fitness manager job at new york sports club and she was like we're we're looking for trainers we're looking to hire people and she she was like are you certified you know i said no but it's something i've always wanted to try is like personal training so she's like well if you get your cert i have a job for you so i was like well there's nothing for me to lose so i got my cert that summer that I it was like it was about a year and a half 2016 after I broke my foot yeah from there the rest was history I left you know the the corporate fitness world because I wanted to continue learning so training 15 sessions a day and being exhausted on the weekends yeah it was like I was just really really into it I just really wanted to keep learning and wanted to keep going and obviously I was you know pretty successful at at the corporate gym and I didn't have time to to do any certs. I didn't have time to do weekend workshops. I didn't have time to like study and I didn't have time to progress further. So I decided to leave the corporate gym world and start my own thing. So now, you know, that was when I started, you know, I got certified in strong first with kettlebells and I did FRC and I started getting into animal flow and was really able to kind of like take my training to the next level. Especially like when I met my husband, Chad, who had already been certified for you guys, you know, he opened my eyes up to the stick mobility world. And the first time I saw him use the sticks, it actually made me think of like a ballet bar. So when you're when you're dancing, you know, you have the bar there for pretty much the same few things that you use the stick for, for stability, you know, for leverage. 
and and things like that. So I kind of was already used to using a tool, something to hold on to and, and kind of had my mind already in that zone. So that was really cool to kind of transition into stick with that background of the ballet bar, you know, and that's kind of how I approach my training too, is when I, you know, I, I use my dance background. So I use my knowledge of the body, a lot of my training, well, when I say training, uh, my training to become a trainer kind of started with just like intuition. So because I had grown up in the dance world, I can look at, a, at somebody moving, or I can look mm -hmm. at myself moving, and understand which part of the body is initiating the movement. If something looks off, I can kind of like, intuitively know what might be off and kind of how to fix it so if you're falling off your leg oh then you need to shift your weight this way or you know if you're trying to get down to the floor to do floor work this is how you want to fall this is how you want to you know spread out your weight on the floor so that you're not going to injure yourself or someone you're partnering with so a lot of my training practice what started out as kind of intuition and then I kind of like put the words into what my body was trying to say. So I think that's, you know, that's something that is different and interesting about the way that I train. And then I think the other part with that is contact and partnering with dance. I think it's super important to understand like how to move with another human, uh, whether that's, you know, through improvisation or choreography, or, you know, even using that, that counterbalance. And even like with with the sticks with that, you know, pulling against and pushing into understanding that zero and mm -hmm. um, how to how to use another body in your practice is something that I find really cool. How old were you when you started into dance? Um, so I four, I think, oh, wow. I think I was four. <laughs> and I started out doing, you know, the tap, the ballet, I was like dabbling in a bunch of different like jazz acrobatics, you know, all all the things I used to actually hate ballet. So oh. I started ballet last, actually, I, I did like some, you know, they do like these combination classes of like 20 minutes of tap and 20 minutes of ballet. And once I grew out of those classes, I was just like, ballet it's for sissies like that's not for me i know as like a five-year-old six-year-old i was saying this one of my friends actually convinced me i danced with her and we were like best friends and she convinced me to try um she wanted to take some ballet lessons and i was like no so our moms came up with a solution that was we we can do a private lesson so a, a private lesson with myself and my friend and mm -hmm. so i agreed to that i was like okay we can do it for a year and see how it goes and then I fell in love with it. I was like, holy shit, this is not easy. This is not for sissies. Like, what was I talking about? This is, this is crazy. Like what, you know, what I'm trying to do with my body right now is something I've never felt before. So I actually then kind of switched and only did ballet for a few years. So I would do the jazz and tap on the side and, you know, continue to perform here and there with that. But I was in the ballet studio f five to six days a week, starting at the age of nine. So I, I just like kind of dove right in and fell in love with it. And from there, went to summer programs starting at the age of, I think, 15. Was away every summer until I graduated high school. I would go to Seattle, San Francisco, New York City, other programs in Pennsylvania, which is where I grew up. And so I, I became obsessed. How many um, hours a day were you, were you training? So when I was really, really, really into it, I was dancing from about 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon until 9 o'clock at night. And that was Monday through Thursday. Saturdays, we would also spend in the studio from like 9 a.m. to 
I don't know, two-ish. And Friday's like a couple of hours. And sometimes we would add rehearsals on Sundays too. So we, we were performing year round. We had a lot of stuff to get ready for. And I would take as many classes as I possibly could. And then plus going back and forth, I was at that point, you know, when I was a teenager going between two different studios. So I was learning from a bunch of different teachers, taking like literally as many classes as I could, performing as much as I possibly could. And it really took over my life. The difference between tap and ballet, I mean, it would seem tap is much faster, where ballet is just much more isometric, time under load type. Would that be correct to say? Definitely. I think um, tap is more rhythmic. It's more syncopated. So you're finding you're a part of the music. So you're like literally making sounds uh, with the music, but also like in between. So you're constantly trying to find places to, you know, find your own voice in the music with tap because you're literally becoming part of the music. With ballet, it can be fast, it can be slow, but yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's definitely much, um, much more time under tension. You're doing a lot of passive range holds, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're grabbing your leg, you're putting it up here, mm-hmm. and then you let go of it and try to hold it, you know? So uh, like all these, you know, principles that we learn in fitness and in mobility apply to to the dance and so yes the the ballet is is much more elongated than Mm -hmm. the tap and it's more about what you are presenting on stage than what it sounds like so yes the ballet you're dancing on top of the music and with the music but just in a different way than than tap and then if you contrast that with or compare it with modern dance modern dance is kind of both it's it's much more grounded than ballet. So you're in the floor, you're using the floor almost as um, like a prop or a tool or like a mm-hmm. set. So it's a part of the dance. You're going to be on the floor, you're going to be rolling around, you're going to be jumping and landing and like it's much more athletic. And with modern, you know, you don't even have to be dancing with music. It can be totally silent. You can stomp and clap and make make the music as you go. And so it kind of has both of those those dynamics in it. So that's what I really fell in love with. And that's what I still continue to perform and choreograph is that modern contemporary style kind of dance. So my daughter, she's three years old and, you know, I eventually want to get her into dance. If you were to start her in a particular type, you know, like you have this well-rounded background of dance and you kind of have all these different elements. Would you start that same progression, like start and tap, like go to ballet and then start introducing more or is, does it matter? It depends. I think obviously when I started, I wasn't like, my parents weren't like, she is going to be a professional dancer. So we're going to like take these steps, you know, yeah. they were just kind of like, oh, I think she'll like it. And then I just kind of like, it just took on its own life. But I think that every each discipline or each technique has something different to offer. So I think that starting her out in a bunch of different techniques would be something um, that she can kind of like explore and see what she's drawn to. There's also a lot of forms of dance like hip hop and African dance. And, you know, um, even like dance hall, one of the choreographers that I dance with, and I've danced with her for a long time and just kind of like built her company with her. She was born and grew up in Jamaica and, and a and dance hall is a part of her choreography. I think the arts, the dance world now is kind of bringing these traditionally seen as lower art forms. They're bringing them up to the stage. So I think just kind of introducing her to as many different styles as possible is going to make her a very versatile dancer. And, you know, um, 
I will say that one one thing that I struggled with moving from such a ballet structured background into something more loose and free, like modern or even like dance hall when I was starting out with this company, you almost, it kind of trains you to have this like shyness about you. So you don't want to like show yourself. You don't want to show emotion. You don't want to like let yourself loose and have fun. So I think that introducing that early is great because, you know, you're going to be able to just be a better performer. Um, so as many, uh, as many as times as possible. possible. Yeah. yeah. Just let her explore. Yeah, just to kind of, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Do most dancers under like undergo a training regimen with weights or they tend to be a little more hesitant to do that? Um, well, this is another thing that I think is changing in the dance world. When I was growing up in the dance world, we were told do not ever lift a weight ever. <laughs> strength training was just like just frowned upon so when I was at SUNY Purchase you know uh, being a part of the dance conservatory was like you know a different college experience than most you know you're in the dance conservatory six sometimes seven days a week and you know you are dancing from 8 30 in the morning sometimes until 10 o'clock at night plus you're performing yeah. on the weekends it's like really intense it's crazy you know and obviously you'll have other classes that you'll go to throughout and you'll leave the dance building for a few hours, but then you'll of course have to come right back. And it's, you know, it's, it's intense. One of the things that they, you know, kind of warned us about or told us to stay away from was sports athletics. And um, not only because, you know, you don't want to get big and muscular, but you don't want to get injured. And then also mm -hmm. you don't want it to take away from your dance. So I joined the swim team <laughs> my freshman year. <laughs> And yeah, I got a lot of backlash from it from some of my professors. And you know, it's swimming. It's like, it's not like Olympic lifting. It's not like rock climbing. You know, it's not something where you're, you're really going to get injured other than if you're doing something incorrectly, you know, it's low impact and it's, it's aerobic. And unless you know, you're, you're, um, going you're going fast or training for a race or whatever but and you know we our practices were like at six o'clock five thirty six o'clock in the morning so it was like I had time to go to practice and you know I had to miss a few meets here and there but it wasn't like taking priority over my dance but yeah I got a lot of backlash over that and I know a lot of dancers that got injured because they were not strong enough because they weren't cross training and you know you're told to um foam roll and you're told to you know, stick, stick this ball, like sit on this ball in your, in your glute. And um, a lot of like passive, like just stretch, like a lot of passive release techniques mm -hmm. and not, you know, it's not going to make you stronger. So that was something. And I, you know, joining the swim team, I've, I've always been very um, physically active and I can always, my body just, it's always been pretty resilient. So I can handle a lot. I can handle a lot of stress on my body. So I was always just kind of like looking for more, 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 and always got backlash from it, you know, going to the gym early in the morning, if I wasn't swimming, or if I wasn't in season for swimming, you know, people would be like, you're crazy. What are you doing that for? You know, and you know, it was always like, I wasn't really doing a lot of strength training, because I was just so like, I'm so ingrained with the idea that strength training is just not you can't strengthen, you can't lift up weights. Mm -hmm. So it was always just like cardio or, you know, things like that. And like I said, it wasn't until after my injury when I started, when I started lifting and actually strength training. And, you know, I haven't had an injury since. And um, 
I've, I've coached other dancers through their injuries. I know I've coached dancers that have had like full hip replacements and have had hip problems forever or knee problems or back problems. And, you know, when you're constantly just doing this repetitive motion with your body at these extreme angles and extreme ranges of motion, you need to tra- train and strengthen those, those areas. So no, it's, you're not encouraged to, but I, again, I think that that mentality is sort of changing. Since I've graduated, I've gone back to teach at Purchase and do a couple of auditions there. And so talking with the dancers that are now in that college program, they're definitely learning more about conditioning and strength training and you know some some principles behind that so thankfully i think i think it's turning around but when i was training and growing up definitely definitely not discouraged from that so well, you guys are you dancing for shoot i mean you're saying you're going from like 9 a.m in the morning till 10 p.m at night sometimes do you think it yeah. would it would benefit a lot of dance um, programs where if they did incorporate a strength training program, just, you know, maybe cut two or three hours out of the dance dancing. And would that hurt your dancing? No, I don't, I don't think so at all. I think, I think it would help, you know, they did have when we were there, we did do some somatic practices, you know, some Mm. meditation and yoga and things like that. But I think more specific strength training and mobility, you know, joint strength training would, would be more beneficial than something like yoga. You know, dancers are super pliable already. So yeah. doing a yoga mm-hmm. practice isn't isn't really going to help you. But doing something like functional range conditioning and, and uh, stick mobility and, and actually lifting weight would, would greatly benefit the dancers. And you could definitely take out <laughs> some classes here and there to make it happen. Or, you know, just replace some of the somatic practices with that strength training. There's definitely time for it. And it's definitely needed. So things move slow. I think that a lot of people that are, you know, my age, I'm, I'm 30. So like my generation, and you know, a little bit younger going. So I, like I said, I was teaching at Purchase. I taught there for a year. And I think that, you know, people that are my age can, can go to these institutions and bring about change a little bit quicker. Because you know that all of our, you know, the, the, the professors that are teaching now were the same professors that were teaching when I was there mm-hmm. almost 10 years ago. So, yeah, we just, it'll be slow, but we got to, we can change it and it would definitely help. Yeah, it's usually that old, the old blood tends to not want to change what they've been doing for their career. It's the old, this is the way we've always done it. Yeah. So this is the way we'll continue to do it mentality, right? Oh, definitely, definitely. I remember like I was going back, I was performing at Purchase and I went back and one of my old teachers, she was like, Morgan, those triceps, those are not dancer triceps. <laughs> like I could see your triceps. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, thanks, I guess. <laughs> she's like, you got a horseshoe back there. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what are those triceps? This is crazy. I was like, oh. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the the yoga was basically pretty much your recovery work then? Yeah. So so in a program like that where, you know, you're just like going, 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 yeah. going, they're like, oh, let's throw in some somatic practices to help the dancers recover. Let's, yeah. you know, throw in some meditation and yoga and Alexander technique, whatever. Yeah, I uh, skipped those classes a lot because it would, you know, be much more, it, it would be in my best interest to sleep instead or something like that or go to the gym so yeah they're kind of just like they just kind of threw it in there to just be like 
here you go. Like this should fix those problems, right? No, it, it didn't. So that was supposed to be, that was supposed to be our recovery work. That was supposed to be our cross training. And, you know, definitely wasn't. And a lot of dancers were in my position where we were just like, uh, I'm just not going to go. And uh, I'm going to go visit the PT instead, or, you know, I'm going to go to the gym and, or I'm going to sleep um, because they just weren't kind of giving us what we needed. You know, I wish that we had somebody there to, to train us. I wish mm-hmm. somebody was there to just be like, all right, here's how, you know, we took anatomy classes, but like, here's how your anatomy actually works. And mm-hmm. when you're doing this movement in dance, your hip is actually, you're externally rotating and you're extending the knee and like, you know, this is why we need to work on, you know, the internal rotation of the hip and all of that kind of thing. And, but we, you know, but we didn't. And so I would love to, you know, go back to university or any professional dance training program and work with dancers on, you know, conditioning the body and training your joints specifically so that you, you don't end up with knee, ankle, back problems, hip problems. You know, I've seen, I've seen it all. It happens to so many dancers and it, you know, it would really help to just kind of get ahead of it, get in front of it. Well, I would assume the injury rate is probably pretty high, but probably more from just repetitive overuse. Yeah, definitely. And it depends on who you work for and it depends on like boundaries. So modern dance, contemporary dance, especially in New York is concert dance. So you're performing on stage, different from film and there are no agents that there are no unions for that so you kind of like have to go out and find your own work you have to do all the stuff yourself and with you know because there are no unions there's no the dancers are not protected so if Mm. you're injured if you get injured then you're probably going to be out of a job and like you don't get workers comp you don't like you don't have any benefits whatsoever because that's just that's just the way it is and there's always going to be somebody right there in the wings ready to go on stage for you and so you're like you know it's 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 hard to make those boundaries saying you know in rehearsal oh i i can't do it again i don't think i can keep going it's my you know my my body's kind of at its limit saying something like that to a director that's up here and all high and mighty and it's you know, literally has control over everything. They're going to be like, okay, well, if you're not going to do it, then uh, Sally over here is ready and she's been learning your part. So we're just going to hire her instead. See you later. So I think that's a huge problem with the dance world is that there's not a lot of protection and it's hard for dancers. Like I was saying before, like the whole, most dancers start in that ballet training and are Mm -hmm. really intensive in that. And it kind of promotes this very like insecure, apologetic, kind of attitude where you know you're you have to be like extremely grateful to be there you have to be extremely grateful to be on stage performing for this person or with these people setting those boundaries is like something they train you not to do (laughs) so that's a you know that's a big problem in the dance world and something also that i think would be even slower to to change than you know strength training unfortunately well because it always kind of seems like they portray in whether it's a tv show or a movie you kind of always get that feeling that most directors or coaches are of that mindset right kind of like slave drivers in essence yeah definitely i've definitely been a part of processes and works that are yeah that are just like that where they just expect you to come into rehearsal ready to go full out for four hours six hours and you know have no regard for the way that you're feeling but I've also been a part of you know process a process that 
is not that way where mm. you get plenty of breaks and you're constantly asked how you're feeling and how you're doing and a more collaborative effort. Yeah, it just kind of depends. The unfortunate part is that usually the companies with the most money and the most performance opportunities are those ones that are the slave drivers mm. uh, with the big, you know, director who's sitting there like this and just waiting for you to do the next step. Um, mm. So, you know, when you're like, I'm going to be a dancer, I'm going to be a part of the company, I'm going to, you know, when you're trying to make a living as a dancer, you strive for those companies that are kind of usually under that mindset of, mm. you know, we're going to push you until you break. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. That's a, yeah, it's <laughs> the business side, right? I mean, it's the business side of any industry. You're essentially a professional athlete out there, you know? I mean, I know Dennis and I have always talked about how dancers are just some of the best movers and best athletes out there. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, treated a lot of times just treated like replaceable, you know, all mm. just replaceable. And, you know, you can't do it. I'll find somebody else that will. Yeah. And you have a lot of dancers, especially younger dancers that will work for free. So oh. getting paid is hard too. And again, like without the unions and, you know, people don't usually have agents in the concert dance world. It's like getting a paycheck. I've, I've been a part of projects where I just, I'm expecting a paycheck and it and like never get it. <laughs> oh, damn. I know, but that's the you know, that's the whole thing of like setting boundaries and, and things like that. So as I've as I've gotten older, I know now to like to sign contracts, you mm-hmm. know, to make sure you're gonna get paid, to ask before you say, you know, before you agree to a project, ask dancers that have worked with that person before, like, were you paid on time? And did they take care of you? And uh-huh. things like that. But as a young dancer, you know, just graduating, you're just like, you want it all. You just want to perform. You want to get out there. So it can be a challenge to get paid. (laughs) It's almost like there's, there needs to be like a mentorship program for dancers. So that way they get that from experienced dancers like yourself of what to watch for, what to be on the lookout for. Yeah, definitely. When I was teaching at Purchase, spent 15 minutes of our class just sitting down with the dancers, like answering their questions about post-graduation, about, you know, working with dancers or working with choreographers and what that's like and setting those boundaries and things like that. Because, you know, when I was there, we didn't have many teachers that were open to talking about things like that. Yeah. And we had, you know, a couple seminars about it, but nothing like in depth, you know, it's almost like you wish that there was a class dedicated to how to set your boundaries and how Mm -hmm. to take care of yourself and make sure that when you're when you're in the dance world and you're working that you're not taken advantage of Mm -hmm. you know it's like they stress all these extra like dance history and anatomy and massage class but like you know the the whole business side of it you're essentially working for yourself like a lot of the dance world is freelance so it's how you network it's who you know it's how you audition you want to be able to if you want to go teach a master class somewhere like what are your rates how are you going to do this how are you going to do that and you want to be able to set that up besides just your resume you know mm-hmm. here's what i've performed and here's who i've performed with you know but you want to be able to do some of the business side of it when you transitioned over to personal training a lot of the stuff that we are taught in the training world did you instinctively maybe question some of it with your dance background and go it kind of doesn't make sense oh for sure for sure for sure i mean the first one i can think of is squatting with your knees behind your toes Mm -hmm. like you you know if you watch any dance performance if you watch any dancer one of the very first exercises that you'll do is plies 
which is mm-hmm. which means to, to bend the knees. And when you do a grand plie, a, a big deep plie, in no matter which version you're doing, your knees go over your toes and you lift your heels too. Mm-hmm. So hearing that squatting with your knees over your toes, or uh, yeah, squatting with your knees over your toes, lifting your heels is just wrong. You should never, ever do it. I was just kind of like, well, I mean, I do that every <laughs> single day. Yeah, <laughs> what sure. do you mean? And I've literally never had a knee issue, an ankle issue, a hip issue, a back issue. Like, I was like, I don't, okay, sure. And then also, you know, never rounding your back. Like your spine always mm-hmm. has to be extended and your shoulders always have to be pulled back. And I'm like, well, in order to move, like, you got to round the spine. You have to rotate. Like, you just, you know, you have to use your spine. It's, it's what moves your torso. So that was, a, you know, that was another big one. And I think scapular movement in general. So when I got into modern dance, the technique that I learned primarily and fell the most in love with was Martha Graham's technique. And her, her technique is based on the pelvis and the spine and the back. Her whole technique is based on contract and release, which is like spinal flexion and extension, rotation mm-hmm. of the spine. And then almost like every movement starts in the pelvis and then the rest of the body kind of grows from that. So mm-hmm. if, you're, you know, if you're moving through space, if you're literally just walking through the space, your pelvis is initiating the movement. So your legs react to your pelvis shifting forward and your legs catch you. If you're extending through the spine, it's almost like your head extends relaxed and then your arms can extend and and reach out from there. So all of your upper body movement stems from the spine and the scapula. So when I got into training, it was almost like they wanted me to teach like just very stiff upper mm-hmm. back and, and um, scapular movements where it, you know, I was always taught and always moved from the pelvis. So if I move my pelvis, if I shift this way, then my spine is going to react this way. And then it'll allow space for my arms to move out this way. So one of the things that people always ask me is, you know, how do you get, how is your back so toned? And like, how is your back so strong? And it's literally because I've always trained that spinal movement from the pelvis. I've always trained the scapula to slide and glide along my back whenever mm-hmm. I move my arms in any way. And, you know, that full range movement from the spine and the scapula enables me to, to be able to strengthen at, at each end range of whichever upper body exercise that I'm doing. So yeah, those are just a few of, of the things that in the training world I was, I was taught. And then I was like, I don't know, this is weird. Well, I think that's a huge advantage for you as opposed to like me personally. I didn't have any of that. So when I got into it, what they taught me, I was like, okay, that's that's what I have to teach then, right? <laughs> so I didn't really start to question that until, you know, years into the in, into my career. So you already had that head start, which is fantastic. Yeah, definitely. And I also... I think that when I train, I, I like to approach it almost like learning choreography. So if I'm teaching somebody a new exercise or a new drill or a new movement pattern, I'm looking for, you know, basic understanding first and then getting into the details. So instead of giving them a whole set of like rules, I tend to just say like, I tend to either just show the movement and tell them to like repeat it, obviously without weight or anything like that, or, you know, just give them a task. So if it's, you know, a hip hinge, I'll say, okay, you're going to stand, you know, foot away from the wall. And I want you to 
reach your hips back to the wall, right? So very task-based instead of, okay, as you lean forward with your chest, you're going to keep your spine straight and you're going to shift your weight back and you're going to reach your hips back. But, you know, I'll either just show the movement or just give them a, a very simple task without any details and then work from there into, you know, what I specifically want to, them to do. And I, I call it like making a mess and then mm -hmm. refining, refining the movement, which is something that I definitely practice in, in my dance practice with learning choreography is like, at first, you're just trying to get the general shape, you know, it's a lot thrown at you all at once. And you're just trying to like understand the actual shape and then you can kind of go in and switch the intention. So instead of like turning your hand this way, I want you to actually think about your thumb initiating the movement and spiraling around all the way through your wrist into your elbow, mm -hmm. something like that. Kind of like just throwing stuff at them and then refining from there, obviously taken from my, from my dance training. So. It's like you just kind of give them this, here's the big picture. And then once they kind of understand that, it's like, yeah, let them go, let them mess up, let them fail, and then just yeah. slowly clean it up so you're not giving them too much information. Definitely, definitely. And I, I always have, like, when I start working with people, I always have people that, like, ask a bunch of questions, like, well, should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? I'm like, just, like, literally don't think about it. Just do what I'm asking you yeah. to do. I want to see it first, and then I want to... And then I want to refine from there because a lot of times like cues can get confusing, especially, you know, the past year we've been training virtually. Mm -hmm. So if you like give all these cues and you say all these things and it's like just mumble jumbled words, then it's just going to be a little bit too much. So you just, you know, I just try and just like do the movement. Let me just see it and then let's refine it. And, you know, and I'll tell you what I want you to intentionally focus on. And yeah, it also kind of, helps me see like I, like I was talking about before that my very intuitive you know view on movement it helps me kind of see oh if that person's like falling over when they're doing this like which way are they falling and then I can kind of fix it from there just using using my intuition and then that when they mess up that can influence what I want them to focus on like everybody is afraid of making a mistake when they when they're taught to move or lift anything it's everybody's oh, i don't want to make a mistake you're like well you don't even we don't even know what you do so we don't even we don't even know how we got to see what your base is what are you inclined yeah. to do how does your body organize itself first before yeah. we can't correct something before we've even seen it right definitely one of the words that i try not to use as much as possible is form you know mm -hmm. like i want to teach you like good form what is good form you know mm -hmm. like it's kind of it's different for everybody so my good form is gonna look way different than your good form mm -hmm. you know and it's you know that's just the way it is our, our bodies are built differently also when i'm when i'm teaching certain movements i know that my hip abduction is crazy you know mm -hmm. I, I know my hip external rotation from living in a turned out position is is crazy is a mm -hmm. kind of elite compared to most people mm -hmm. so when i demonstrate these movements i purposely do not like go to my end range because people will look at that and they'll they'll either <laughs> just like fuck it up and they'll just like, <laughs> like hike their hip, or yeah like like royally and i'm like oh i forgot to tell you like you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do it like i can <laughs> or yeah or they'll just be so overwhelmed they're like i can't do that like what are you talking about <laughs> so i tend to like try and you know i just want you to lift as 
centimeter off the floor or like this is isometric you're not actually going to go anywhere or you know do anything because yeah people get they're just like a, a, like you were just saying they're afraid to mess up they're afraid they want to look like me and i'm like no like your your form is going to be different than mine your your ranges of motion are different so it's not don't try to look like me doing the movement it's not going to look the same <laughs> so those those instagram posts you know where your legs are pie you're you're, you're just holding back a little bit there <laughs> totally you haven't shown like your true <laughs> your true mobility totally. <laughs> the world crazy. may never know yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I will say sometimes on Instagram, you know, you got to show off a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I definitely, I, <laughs> I'll do some, I'll do some full range movements on for the gram. But um, yeah, but when I'm individually teaching someone, I'll just be like, it's not going to look like this, or I'll just hold back, you know, be like, I just want tiny little lifts. <laughs> well, I think you've got to show people what's possible. Right? Yeah. And, and so, yes, we, uh, we preface that with, look, the vast majority of people out there aren't going to achieve this. But here's what's possible if you have the right qualities and if you put the right amount of work in, right? Yeah, totally. And, I, and you know, I've trained some people too where they'll just be like, well, I don't feel it. Like, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. I'm like, all right, well, listen, you know, we're going to, we're starting out really slow. You're going to, you know, what I'm focusing on right now is the intention behind the movement. And so then I can say, you know, once we work through this, once we get past this level, this is what you can do. And then boom, leg up. And then it's just like, oh, wow. Or like grab a huge kettlebell and just be like, boom. Like if you understand that shoulder flexion or that end range movement at an isometric level with just your body weight, then you can start progressing and actually pressing a heavy ass kettlebell without injury. You know, mm -hmm. another like party trick I like to show is the weighted pull up. So I love training weighted pull-ups because mostly because they're really impressive, but they're, you know, they're super satisfying. And that was a, I guess I liked training them because they were hard for me when I first started. So now that I've trained them and kind of mastered them. Yeah. I like to, I like to show that progress and I have videos of like struggling with a 12 kilo, struggling with a 16 kilo, mm -hmm. struggling with a 24 over and over and over and over again. And then finally mastering, mastering that 24 kilo pull-up. Um, nice. It just kind of shows. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a big one for me. <laughs> Are you gonna do that um, Iron Maiden challenge with strong first, where you do what is it? The so, pull up, the press, and the pistol. Yeah. Uh, so I tried it. Okay. So when I did my strong first level two kettlebell cert, I trained for it and I tried it and I failed. So I had the press. I had to train the press a little bit. Um, I had to train the pistol a little bit, but those were those were pretty easy for me to get. The pull up was really hard, and I I started training for it maybe three months, three to four months before the cert, before the before the test. And I could get my twenty kilo. I just could not get over the bar with the bar with the twenty four. So I failed, and um, this was in two thousand nineteen. And so I was going to, I was going to try again. I was going to do a different certification because you have to test out at a cert. So I was going to mm -hmm. do a body weight cert. And so I was going to test out there, but then everything kind of shut down. So I restarted, I started over, like I looked at my pull up and I was like, all right, I, you know, I need to fix this, 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 and this. So I started again with, with no weight. I just repatterned my pull up. I repatterned the way I, you know, approached the bar. 
So my pathway to the top, my different focuses for each part of the pull-up, my even my gaze, like where my head position, everything. I reanalyzed and restructured everything. Started all the way over. Started again with the with the eight kilo. Once I got that, moved on to the twelve, and eventually worked my way up. And this this time, I was able to get the twenty four. And so I think you know maybe in the next year or so I'll maybe I'll sign up for that cert and I'll be able to test it out. But that's a skill that I've also held on to. So now that I've got it, it's like I can just keep going with it. I mean, this year I'm hoping to to get the twenty eight kilo over the bar or maybe even progress. I think we have a 32 as well. So I can keep going with it. But yeah, eventually, I think I'd like to I'd like to test it out. I did film. So I did do one day. um, I filmed all three of the of the lifts within like a 10 minute frame or something like that. So I kind of like mimicked the test out. I was like, I did it. It's on film. (laughs) (laughs) I already did it. So that should be um, so yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I just send it to them. They'll they'll approve me. (laughs) Hey. <laughs> the thing with the thing with the um the Iron Maiden is like it's more just bragging rights anyway. It's not like you know you get CEUs or a cert or anything like that. It's just kind of you are Iron Maiden approved. <laughs> was breath work really integral part of your dancing? Uh, no. Oh no. no. really? Not at all. Yeah, I didn't really learn breath work until until I learned how to train pre and postnatal women. <laughs> so I had dabbled with it. Like I had done some breath work in like some meditation classes and things like that. But no, in the dance world, I remember having teachers that would tell us, you know, okay, I want you to bend forward. I want you to suck in your stomach as much as you can. And then I want you to stand up, keep it like that. And then dance like that. Literally like, like, I'm not kidding. This guy, like, how does all do it? And he's like, okay, so when you're bent over, you're going to suck everything in and then stand up, keep it like that. And then like dance like that. Wow. And we were all just like, oh, what? There's some teachers here and there and choreographers would just, you know, tell us to, to breathe. <laughs> they would just say, make sure, make sure you're breathing. <laughs> and we were also constantly told like, when you're on stage, you can absolutely cannot let your stomach hang out. You cannot, you have oh, to support okay. your stomach. So when you're on stage, like especially you cannot have a moment of like, oh. hmm. so what would have been helpful is teaching us how to breathe without just like eh, letting everything go, mm-hmm. but it actually using your TVA and your pelvic floor and your diaphragm all working together in order to breathe. But they were just, you know, we were just told don't, uh, you know, just breathe, remember to breathe. And it usually ended up in that like high chest breathing because you're just trying to like keep mm-hmm. everything in in your stomach. I, I always had a problem with like dancing like this, my shoulders up and I was yeah. always very tense up here yeah. because I'm just trying to like <laughs> keep it all yeah. like sucked in. So yeah, a lot of the choreographers, the people I work with now, we all practice belly breathing and we, we use it on stage and like, that's, that's all good. But I mean, there are probably some, it's, a, it's again, like that slowly changing kind of thing where it's like the older generation is not accepting it, but the younger generation is kind of like, Hey, like we'd like to breathe while we dance, like actually <laughs> breathe, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I started breath work. I don't know when I was like 25, 26, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like once I started, I was like, wow, like I can't believe I haven't been using this for so long. And, you know, it helps to develop your your core muscles. So I don't know, they just they didn't teach it to us. But that's, that's something I learned through fitness that I actually transferred into my dance career. 
Mm-hmm. So that's really surprising because I would have never yeah. guessed that. Yeah, I would imagine, you know, the breath work would just help you be more relaxed on stage too. You would think so, right? But no, I mean, not not so much. And that's, you know, what I was talking about before with learning different forms of dance. When you're doing something like, let's just say like a West African dance class where you are like stomping on the floor, you're like flinging your body mm-hmm. around so fast, like you have to breathe with your entire body you know in order to like just make it through so learning different forms of dance like you know i'm I'm just personally speaking from my my training and background but something like west african dance or like even like hip-hop something that's not seen as a traditional like concert dance technique i think that you get a little bit a lot more of that of that breathing in there and it's just you know it's just that stigma of like the ballet, the modern, the stuffy concert dance kind of thing where the dancers are just like, you just have to be a, a blank canvas, an empty vessel and, you know, not breathing. Like you're not living. You are whatever you're supposed to be putting on stage. So you're, you're not supposed to be seen as like not real. That's something I have definitely had to learn. And mostly that release that exhale i you know that that pelvic floor release and just like relaxing the shoulders but you're you're obviously your core is still engaged you're still stabilizing your spine you're using your tva and your pelvic floor muscles but that release is was definitely hard for me to learn (laughs) what have you got in the works over the next year or two wow uh yeah so i think being out here on the west coast now that things are opening up we want to hit the ground running i would like to you know there's a couple dance companies out here that i'd like to not only do some freelance work with but hopefully work with their dancers and start like maybe training some of them we love the movement culture out here uh back in new york the fitness scene was very much kind of like neat heady so we're <laughs> you know everyone's just like it's really true like everyone is just like on the grind go 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 all the time so when you hit the gym it's just like i want to lift stuff up and like throw it down and you know just like quantity over quality so it'll be <laughs> it'll be nice to really start to meet people out here that are kind of in line with the whole you know quality over quantity and i'm looking forward to spending more time down at muscle beach which is just Uh, a mile and a half down the road mm -hmm. um yeah so chad and i are hopefully going to be working together on a couple of projects training like training people side by side doing classes that kind of thing i'm creating a solo that's going to be premiering uh later this uh later this summer it's going to be premiered virtually working Working hard on that, it's turning into quite a project of unlearning for me in terms of kind of that that uh, dancer background of being um, an empty vessel and a blank canvas and kind of shutting down the walls and oh, you know, I'm learning unlearning that kind of like closed offness in my mm-hmm. not only my personal life but just in the way that I dance and kind of learning to be a little bit more vulnerable and opening up so creating a solo about that so we'll see how it turns out yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much it um we're we're looking forward to having you and chad as so as a couple of our master instructors for for us for stick mobility so we are definitely looking forward to that happening yes i'm definitely looking forward to that as well that would be that would be so awesome and uh i also work very closely with animal flow so i'm one of their regional leaders and so i'll be you know 
getting in touch with the community around here and spreading the word about, you know, body weight training and animal flow and getting some jams together with other instructors out in this area. So yeah, lots of, lots of big stuff coming up and uh, we just need everything to open now and we'll hit the ground running. June 15th. June 15th, right? June 15th. Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you can't come soon enough. <laughs> uh, so wh- uh, how can people get a hold of you, social media? Yes. Yeah, so my, you can find me on Instagram as Body Articulate. And that is my main form of social media. And you can also, you know, email me there, message me or whatever. Yeah, that would probably be, that would, that would be the best way to find me on Instagram, Body Articulate. Well, Morgan, it was fantastic. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate, love all the dance background stuff. Very eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot <laughs> of stuff. We, I would have had no clues. So thank you very much. Yeah, and let, let us know when uh, when that solo is going to premiere so yeah. we can help promote it for you too. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, like I said, later this summer. And um, I'll hit you guys up about that. And thank you so much for having me on. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And to all (laughs) the listeners out there, until next episode, be good to each other.